Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to Game Over. My name is Liz and I am one of your regular hosts here on the show. Here we are for a Winnipeg Jets win. I am so excited for this one. I am joined by Elliot from the Level Play podcast. It's only midnight. It's not that bad. It could have been a lot worse. I was talking with the guys from Level Flight and Connor was like, oh, the game ends at 9.30. And I'm like, oh oh, this is going to be a late one. We're going to be up late trying to recap this one, but I think we're making pretty good time here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They they got it done. You know, we uh, got maybe a little closer than we might have liked to an overtime game in that one, but the Jets held on to win 2-1 over their kryptonite, the San Jose Sharks. They have beat the allegations. They have won, and uh, I'm pretty happy with how this went. You know, we're... Two games into 2024 now, still two wins on the season, undefeated this year. I'm going to keep saying it until I can't anymore. Uh, and just overall pretty pleased with um, the Jets being able to pull this one off and being you know, pretty chill about it across the board. So um, let's get into it for those of you who are joining us live here um, in the YouTube chat. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be, uh, we'll be with you for this entire one. I have the chat pulled up here on my phone. So if you have any questions, thoughts throughout, I'm really happy to um, you know, ch- chat about those, bring them up in conversation. We'll maybe have some questions at the end to talk about this win over the Sharks. We got a game again tomorrow. So we're just going to be firing at all cylinders on game over here. Um, but tonight's all about the San Jose Sharks and the 60 minutes that we just watched. So, Elliot, what were your initial thoughts on this game and what are you thinking about this one? It kind of played out how it was supposed to in terms of the Jets dominated most of the play this evening. They were really good. That We'll probably get into it later, but that power play was... That was chef's kiss. That was exactly what we've been looking for. They did exactly what we were hoping they would do. They dominated play. They looked like the better team for most of it. Obviously, the Sharks had a weird like five-minute stretch where they were the better team. But other than that, they it, this was how it was supposed to go. Maybe the scoreline should have been more like 4-1, 5-1. But realistically, you take the victory. You take the two points just because it, it it's it's a team that you should be taking two points from. So wherever you can get them, that's where you got to take them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, you know, in a game like this, you can look at a lot of the the extra things, the underlying things and all that good stuff about, you know, oh, okay, uh, 
still a little bit of the holiday, this, that, whatever, bottom feeder in the standings, and then also just the fact that this this whole mentors trip that's going on right now, too, um, I I don't know. If I, anytime I was playing sports as a kid and my dad was there, I was always a lot more stressed, and I'm sure everyone else is probably the same. I don't think you uh, you grow out of that. So a couple things like that, kind of the uh, the over surrounding circumstances and all that good stuff kind of, you know, made, made this one feel like there was more pressure on it than there probably had to be. Um, but let's talk about going into this game. Um, what did you think about the lines that they started off this game with and your thoughts on how they finished off last game with these and, and continued on with them here? I I made a comment. We actually just posted episode 60 of the Love of Life podcast. So if you haven't watched it yet, sorry, a little shameless plug. I'll do that. Um, I said on the show that I was very appalled by the lines. Like, I get it. The first line has been pretty quiet otherwise for the last couple games. And I was very surprised. They do the flip. They kind of make it like Shifley, Perfetti, Ayafalo is the first line. You move Nemestikov onto the first line. And I, I just thought it was a really weird change. And then obviously they come out for line rushes and everything and they're going to stick with the lines. And I was quite surprised because I said on the show, well, I'm sure it was just a change for the game. It didn't really do anything when they had them out there. It was like a couple shifts. They didn't generate anything. And then they went back to them. So they go with the, with the Nemesnikov first line, Shifley second line. And I was just kind of bored by it because I don't think as much as the Jets dominated play tonight, it really got going once they kind of sw- once they made the flip back. It really felt like Velarde started to click once he had Shifley back on his line. Ehlers was flying all night. I don't think that he missed a beat, but I definitely noticed him a little bit more that way. And then that that second line with Nemesca, Perfetti, and Iofalo seems to have a lot of chemistry. I really like the lines the way they are, and I don't understand why they flipped it. I, I, I Like I said, I get that they are trying to look for offense, at in, in a time where the first line hasn't been playing well, but realistically, that line was so hot, you had to expect some sort of drop off after after how well they were playing. So for them to at least Velarde to get one tonight on the power play should hopefully mean that he, they going forward on this road trip. Hopefully, they go back to the original lines and keep things rolling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it, it's interesting if we look at kind of the grand scheme of how the year's gone so far. Early on in the year, it was the third line. The third line was cooking. The third line was off, you know, off to the races, and they were doing really well, and and they were able to kind of exceed expectations to help the Winnipeg Jets win games. Then it was the first line. It was that line that that reunited at the back half of tonight's game that was cooking for a while. And now now it's the fourth line, and I know we'll get into them a little bit, but you mentioned um, the Perfetti-Nemestikov-Iofalo line, and that line has been, like sneaky good the whole time across the board ups and downs they haven't had the highest of highs but they haven't had the lowest of lows either they've been good the whole time above average kind of consistently um but it's not it's noticeable when they're good when the other two lines that get a ton of ice time aren't as strong and i thought that um you know obviously things were a little bit goofy with the lines early on just to start this game um but like you said it it took getting back with shifley and Ehlers to get um, Gabe Velarde going. I thought Shifley looked a little bit strange tonight. He always looks strange. You know, it's it's just kind of the style of player that he is. But, um, you know, I, I just didn't feel like the five-on-five five chemistry was really there in the top six for, honestly, a good chunk of that game. Um, but I got a plug, and I saw... I tweeted it. I saw you liked it. We saw... 
Colbert Freddy out there defending a one goal lead at the end of the game. I don't care that it was against the San Jose Sharks. This is what we have been waiting for. Um, and I think we're starting to see a little bit more um, trust being developed in that second line that's really our third line and all that conversation bit and I saw um there there was a, a stat card that got pulled up and someone's like Rick Bonus found the secret sauce which is sheltering um you know Vlad Nemesikov just to scooch to to get ultimate results out of him and I think that's really what we're seeing from them but um Alex Iafalo and Cole Perfetti, or pardon me, and, and Mark Shifley is not a pairing that I long to see again I, I'm good without them um but right now like you so you are a big proponent for keeping the top six the way that we finish this game you said right Oh, a thousand percent. Okay. Do not like I. I don't like. We've had this. We had this issue last year with Rick Bonus. I don't understand why he. As soon as something stops working, he feels like, oh my god, I have to make a change. Now it seems to be this year he's really only liking to mix up the top six. He is very much happy with the bottom six. I also don't know, like other than Morgan Barron, you really can't pull anybody off the fourth line up further up in the lineup. They just don't fit. I get the whole, you've got three lines that can kind of move up and down wherever you need them. And I'm okay with that at times. But when the first line and the top six in general, I will say, has been as hot and playing as well as they have been over the course of the, I, is it, this was game 38 or 39? Some, honestly, we're, I don't even know. <laughs> we're, we're close. We'll just say first half of the season. You really don't want to touch anything. Like I, I don't get... It's a very knee-jerk reaction thing to do, and I get it. He wants to keep the good momentum going. He wants to keep everything flowing, but, like, it's the way of sports. You're not going to – like, I was talking to people over the Christmas break, and people were asking me, like, oh, is Velarde going to keep this going? I said, if Velarde keeps this going, I think we're having a different conversation about how good of a player he is, right? Like – you can't keep up like 13 points and that's Vancouver Canucks luck there. Like that's not sustainable. (laughs) No, it's not sustainable at all. So you have to expect they're going to go a couple of games without scoring. So it doesn't mean you need to make any changes. Yeah. You know what? And and that's fair. And I think that is the kind of, you know, panic button that we need to avoid pushing as Jets fans where it's like, yeah, you get, you get so used to that luxury of what that line was doing for a couple of games. You're like, they can never be stopped. And then they're simply stopped. And you're like, uh Oh, is the world on fire? And it's not. Um, but that kind of is a similar, kind of leads into a conversation piece that I wanted to bring up about this game specifically and the whole idea of the panic button and, and the luxury that we get used to as Jets fans. And, you know, listen, we've been without Cal Connor for about a month now. And the Jets have looked really good in that month. Um, and it's not that they are bad because of Kyle Connor. I would never say that in a million years, but I have a lot of thoughts about that player and, and how losing him from the lineup forces them to make some decisions and put some people with people that they may be more optimally suited to play with anyway and all that good stuff. And also just the fact that he isn't necessarily the the world's greatest play driver and all kinds of things. All that was to say, the Winnipeg Jets I knew wouldn't sink without him. I never would have thought that they would, you know, have a point streak extending past 10 games without him. That's not what I would have guessed, but, you know, I'm not going to complain. But all that's to say, this is a game where Kyle Connor would have been such a nice luxury to have more than other games. And what I mean by that is the San Jose Sharks are an interesting team, and they play really tight five-man defense in their own zone. And what that does is it gives you, you know, the opportunity for, for the Jets to really work the puck around 
in the offensive zone. They had a lot of movement around the perimeter. They were really able to move the puck. I think I counted maybe three times that they pulled off full ozone changes. Like this was a game where they could really manage the puck in their own, in the opposing zone. But it's because San Jose was so tight to the middle, which made it hard to shoot properly. And that's a game where a goal or two, just from a guy who you know can shoot the lights out of the place, would have helped them so much. What did you think of the Jets' 5-on-5 play tonight and kind of some of the offense they were able to create, but some of the offense they also weren't able to create? Yeah, it's it was a little interesting tonight because, like you said, it would be really nice to have a proper finisher out there tonight for to like put the puck in the back of the net a couple times, right? Puck bounced around the crease. We just couldn't bury it. And I, I'm kind of starting to get the feeling that that year from Mark Shifley last year, as much as we've seen him score a lot of goals, I think with how deep this team is and the way that his lines are set up, he's not looking to shoot anymore. He's looking for Velarde. He's looking for, yeah. So for him to not be, I went into the season going, okay, you have Kyle Connor who's a finisher. Mark Shifley can be a finisher. So like you said, having a guy like Kyle Connor tonight would have been great. You mentioned the three ozone changes. It was probably three or four. I, th- I think you're right about three. I believe it was two minutes and 39 seconds. They said it on the broadcast and I can't remember what it was. They got the official number. Um, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Like they moved the puck a lot. And I think for a Jets team that's been known for playing quite stagnant, it was nice to see. But yeah, I think the only knock that you could have about this team tonight in this game was that they just didn't finish. They were all over Mackenzie Blackwood. They were in the crease. They had rebound chances. They were flying. Bodies were flying everywhere in and around in the slot. Like, I don't know. There were a couple of times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know if this is McKenzie Blackwood or if we're just having a repeat of the night in Chicago we had like a week and a half ago where we just can't find, like we just got unlucky and we couldn't find the back of the net. Yeah, no, absolutely. And games like this happen. They do. And what you need to do in a game like this, which, which they, they happen to every team. They happen, you know, quite frequently is that your special teams can bail you out. And that's a big piece of, of what it means to be a good hockey team is that there are going to be times when, you know, your power play isn't going the way you want it to go, where your goalie isn't bailing you out of games, where you're five on five, you're just not generating things. And, and a good, complete team is able to kind of band together and pull momentum from one aspect of the game and sort of carry it over into the other so as to not lose them games. And in a night like tonight, when the Winnipeg Jets were playing fine at five on five, you know, decent hockey, they weren't giving up a ton, but they just couldn't score a goal, couldn't get that luck, a couple of pings, a couple of just, you know, near misses and, and lots of circulation, no zone time without shots. You score on the power play. First unit power play had a goal. How'd you feel about that one? I think it was great. It's, it's nice to see. And I think that it wasn't, I'm glad it wasn't some sort of like random oh, puck bounces off of five different players and goes in past Blackwood lucky goal. It was a proper skill play. Puck gets moved around all the way across. Ehlers then goes cross crease right to Gabe Velarde, who is, he is on top of, like, he was literally on top of Mackenzie Blackwood. Like, he was right on top of him. There was no way he was going to miss, and he buried it. And it was just, I kind of had this little sigh of relief because I went, oh, finally, if this continues, this might get the ball going 
and it might mean that we can stop talking about the Winnipeg Jets having a bad power play. And it would be really nice because, again, the guys that I talked about on the show that got posted today, all the Jets need to do is have a league average power play. And this team has a huge, it has the highest ceiling. They are so good at five on five. They just need either the penalty kill to become above average or average and the power play to just convert when they need it to. If even if it, if it becomes a quote unquote situational power play where they're 0 for 3 on the night, but when they really need to score, they find the back of the net. I'm okay with that. They just need to find a way to finish chances. And I guess that kind of goes for the theme of this game. They found a way to finish when they absolutely needed to, when they had all the momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, <laughs> um, complete aside, that doesn't really matter, but I don't know if it was Kevin Sawyer or Dan Robertson who used the word bunt to describe that goal. Not a word I feel like I would use often in hockey. No, perfect, absolutely not. Perfect use in that case. I was yeah. like, yes. That was a bunt. Great choice of words. <laughs> and that's why I don't do play-by-play or color commentary. Uh, but that's besides the point. But I think you're 100% right. And I actually, I was talking to my dad before this, and I don't know if he read this somewhere or something. I don't know. He's a big, big sports net, big athletic guy. So he's always pulling stuff out of anywhere. But he said something about how if the Winnipeg Jets had, like you said, a, a league average special team, so league average power play and league average pen- penalty kill, they would have something like five more points in the standings or something like that. Like that's kind of how the math checks out a little bit, which means... A a secure cushion in top of the West or whatever. So, you know, like it's definitely, yeah. it, it would help them win more games. But like you said, what I want is for them, for it to not lose them games, right? So like you said, in yeah. those situations where it's like you're desperate for that goal to put you up by one in a really tight game or something like that, if you have those clutch players and the, the ability to sort of clutch up when you need to, that, that's what we're looking for here. Like if it's a 3-1 four one game for the Jets and there's however many like I, I if they're missing on a power play or so whatever I, I'm not gonna freak out but tonight's power play it wasn't just that they scored I knew honestly like I knew they were gonna score after like 30 40 seconds of that power play I was like okay they are cooking and I think it's because part of it's because I think San Jose kind of penalty kills the same way they play five on five in zone defense which is like real tight so they were they yeah. were dancing around a little bit which was nice but also it, it, that's that's what you do right is when you play against teams that are a little bit weaker that don't have the you know the roman yosis or the adam foxes of the world you know dancing up and, and grabbing things from you and running away with it like you have the ability to to play around with it a bit and i also thought i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but i thought the jets were forechecking a little bit higher tonight too like there were a couple times where it was like san jose had some like legitimate in zone possession and, and they couldn't even break out because they had three forwards fully attacking them instead of backing off like they often do to play like a 1 2 2 or whatever uh and i don't know what are your thoughts on that kind of that that change in deployment to sort of attack where these teams are weak to to hopefully secure some more possession yeah i like like I said at the top, I think the Sharks were the not as I don't want to say worst team, but they weren't playing as well until they they brought a forecheck, and that was where about that five minutes where I kind of thought the Jets, yeah, got hemmed in their own zone, they couldn't get it out. The Sharks probably had their best chances in that five minutes. Um, but yeah, it it was a weird tide changing thing, and I'm trying to remember there was a play that I sat there and I went. Yeah, that is exactly what they just need to get this kind of get the change of momentum. I'm not sure somebody cleared the puck and they finally got a, a line change and it wasn't a neutral zone line change. It was a proper puck got dumped down the ice, that sort of thing, line change. And yeah, I uh, I thought they were pretty, I, the Sharks weren't obviously the best team in this game, but yeah, there was a weird five minutes where the Jets couldn't like, I don't know. It was really weird, but uh, I don't know. 
it's it's hard to put into words because it's when the Jets play that well in terms of overall, and there's like a five minute stretch where they kind of get bothered by this four check, this weird out of not normal four check from the Sharks. It's hard to really say, okay, was that the Jets playing bad or the Sharks just kind of bringing a little bit more pressure and then the Jets kind of relieve themselves and then everything kind of goes back to normal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and so let's talk a little bit about kind of almost previewing the next game because there are some things that are kind of similar between the San Jose Sharks team and, and the Anaheim Ducks who the Jets are, are facing off against in less than 24 hours. Um, another team that plays a little bit more of a reserved, well, not reserved style of hockey. Anaheim's a lot more chaotic than, than San Jose is, but just that team that doesn't have, you know, those big elite guys that you're worried about. You're always kind of sleeping with one eye open and, you know, not focusing on the team and focusing on the guy and things like that. Like the, there are a couple traits that these teams have in common. Um, what about tonight's game? Are you hoping that they sort of pick up, keep internalize and kind of, you know, throw out again tomorrow um, when they get to the Honda center? Obviously, I mentioned the power play. I think if they they need to generate some momentum there, like this can't just be a one night where they go one for two and that's that. And then they go on another cold streak like this. They need to start against these worst teams, start to build momentum when it comes to the power play. Continue the puck movement, continue looking for your teammates, continue trying to throw stuff on net and Again, th- their their philosophy originally with the power play was looking too much in terms of trying to find the best play possible. I love their new strategy of them just throwing pucks on net. It's working much better. Obviously, they scored tonight off of it because there was some chaos. Ehlers finds uh, Velarde. But I think another thing um, is just to try to – like, obviously, this Jets team doesn't seem – not that I'm worried about it ever, even against the good teams, but – it's not that I don't think the Jets bring a 60-minute effort. It's just that it feels like there's always there five to ten minutes where whoever the even if the Jets are controlling the game, there's five to ten minutes where the opposing team just, just seems to be all over the Jets. And so I'm hoping to kind of feel like a quote unquote more complete game. I'm not sure who's going to be in net tomorrow for Anaheim, but whoever that is, keep them on their toes as well. Because you you don't you can't be having these goaltenders who are like sub 900 save percentages or just above 900 save percentages continue to have good games. Like I think Mackenzie Blackwood will still end up having a quote unquote good game on the score sheet after after this, right? Like yeah. you, you need to keep putting the pressure on. You need to keep attacking teams. The the Jets are at their best as much as they love their no event first low event or no event first periods. The Jets are at their best at five on five when they are attacking the opponent, when they are coming in on the fourth check hard, they are trying to play against the boards with the third line and generating chances. And obviously if you do that against a team like San Jose or Anaheim, you're going to win the game. You're going to, you're going to find a way to score against better teams. It's good to keep having the momentum. Um, And obviously sometimes you don't score. It's just the way sports is. You're not going to, you're not going to score every time. You're not going to, you're not always going to do anything when you generate, but I think the jets need to bring, keep the power play rolling. And I think they just need to keep the momentum and their philosophy they had tonight into tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, we've, we've had some woes with the jets, like third period and stuff like that before right now where it's, it's second period woes that I feel like is kind of plaguing this team right now. And like you said, it's never full, full periods either. It's just like there were small stretches. And I was so glad that in this game at the beginning of that third period, um, that actually when, 
when Adam Lowry drew the penalty where they scored on the ensuing power play. Like, that that was a pure Luke Dubois-style play there, okay? And I will name drop because that's exactly what he did. Like, you know, just finding a little bit of that neutral ice and breaking... And, and any defender is taking a penalty in a situation like that, right? Like, that was, like, a full shoulder-down effort, whatever. And, like, you know, just little things like that can, can really help kind of bring that momentum back on your side when you're just kind of pushing towards the end. Like you said, I, I'm a big fan of that sort of mentality of the, the just pucks on because... In a lot of situations, like, you know, for example, the second line, and I think that's why the second line is as successful as they are, you know, ignoring the Vlad Nemesikov absolute snipe uh, from last game, um, that's not a team that has, or a line, pardon me, that has really elite shooting talent on it, so just chuck pucks, you know, towards towards the goaltender and, and try and, you know, bang away at a couple of things, crash the net and all that good stuff, and, and against a goalie like Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, like, and like you said, those sort of sub or floating around 900 goalies, like, you're more likely to, to you know, get some luck there than just firing from the, the slots or the corners and missing the net by six feet right and I guess that's <laughs> yeah. not really dependent on the goalie that's just how hockey works but um yeah. you know you you have a little bit more luxury when you have a shooter like a Mark Scheifele or a Kyle Connor who is able to pick those corners possibly a little bit better uh, and things like that so I think you know finding the stylistic play that works best for the line that's on the ice at the time uh not changing up anything too crazy but just letting them play the type of hockey that they should be playing is where it's at and I think that the Winnipeg Jets are slowly kind of creeping towards that sort of style of play here um, so just to kind of look at the chat here, we have, um, you know, 26 people watching right now, which is amazing. I know it's late. It's almost 1230. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. See Avery, Lucas, Connor, Jeff. We have a bunch of people in the chat here. So thank you so much, guys. Make sure you're liking the stream um, and make sure you go to bed and then wake up late. <laughs> so that you can stay up late for tomorrow because we're doing this all again tomorrow. But um, this this win against the San Jose Sharks um, puts the Jets at, Julian mentioned earlier in... Um, the chat that the Winnipeg Jets haven't gone pointless since November 30th. Um, kind of a wagon right now. And I, I kind of want to just finish off the show by just talking a little bit big picture, Elliot, and tell me a little bit about why you think this Winnipeg Jets team is as good as they are and how this month of December has sort of shown their true colors in the most positive way that we've seen in quite some time. It all comes down to the five on five play. This team is elite at five on five play. It is the only reason why, and they've been generally pretty good about staying out of the box. Obviously they've been having their issues. Like we've talked about with the power play, but it's the five on five play that has made them so good. And it's been that all four lines are rolling. Like you said earlier in the show, it was the first, there was the third line that started this year off super on fuego. They were unreal. Then it was the first line. It was, Ehlers, Velarde, Shifley, and then recently, and I and I want to make sure that I say this because I've been his biggest advocate for the longest time. I am so glad that Morgan Barron seems to be turning a corner, and I I really think that he's driving that fourth line. He is the common out of everybody that has played on that fourth line. He is the common denominator, right? They've had Yonta Fialbi now Toninato's drawn into the lineup. Like he's had so many different line mates. And even when, even though he's been that fourth line right now is on a heater. Like, I think I'm not sure. I actually didn't check before we started um, if Tony Nato got credit for uh, an assist on the Baron goal. I believe he probably didn't. For, or did for he? today's? Yes. Keep talking. I'll let you know. Okay. Um, just because obviously that's something you got to mention. That's five points in five games then for Tony Nato if he got an assist, right? But Baron seems to be the common denominator. And he he's he's rolling and the Jets are rolling just every single line. I don't it goes back to even again, you mentioned the three ozone 
the three ozone changes were unreal. Like, and that was all, all three of those lines or there was two of them in that one possession that for the two minutes and 30 seconds, all, all players that were out on the ice at that time were all rolling. They, they were moving the puck. They were, they were getting chances. They were, they were all over the sharks and they have done that to a couple and they haven't done it to that level of like, to that extent, to any of the good teams, but we've seen flashes of it where they keep a good team in the defensive zone for a while. They get them tired. They keep generating chances. Maybe the puck gets flipped out or whatever. But other than that, like this Jets team is a wagon because they have four lines rolling. D pairs are playing well. Sandberg's one of the best defensive defensemen, like analytically in the entire league. I thought Neil Pionk had an underrated, really good defensive game tonight. I've noticed him a lot more defensively recently than him doing really anything in the, on the other side of the rink. But like they, the team is glued, glued right now. They're glued together. They're playing for one another. And I'm again, I mentioned it today on the show, or I guess yesterday when we recorded, but got released today, um, that they're playing with confidence. And I think that is the biggest biggest thing this team even they lose to montreal doesn't matter they come right back they roll over their following opponent they obviously lose to chicago doesn't matter they roll over their next opponent like it it just it doesn't matter right now who they're playing what ends up happening again they go down one nothing in this game to the worst team in the league nope doesn't matter we're barren literally minute and a half later two minutes finds the back of the net they find a way to win the game. Like this team is just playing with so much confidence. Also helps that you have the best goaltender in the league on your <laughs> side as well. But other than that, like I really think it comes down to the five on five play. Yeah. I love that it's barely even a conversation point at this point. It's so funny. I always have this joke when people come on like shows or whatever. I do like cross market months where it's like the Oilers. I'm like, man, like McDavid. And they're like, this was like a nothing game for him. And I'm like, I know he's just so good. And that's us with Connor Hellebuck and people will come on and they'll watch and like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, must be a day that ends in Y dog. Like, I guess that is part of it. But no, I think it's like you said, like, you know, the two faceted thing where it's like, yeah, like the, the five on five actual hockey play, um, is, is really excellent. And that's where most of the game is played. So that's, what's going to win you hockey games and the confidence and discipline that that's kind of the more intangible side of things. Like you said, like this whole, you know, Minnesota wild Ryan Hartman nonsense, or whatever, that's been kind of all over our time. Oh, for the last start. couple like, days yeah. we're not we're not going down this path but just the idea that the Winnipeg Jets can walk into a game where a team is so upset with them and they have to start the game with a fight and players are retaliating and they say we are going to get our revenge by playing good hockey and winning a hockey game and getting two points and you're going to get zero is exactly what I want to see from this team and like you said it's translating into not having to kill as many penalties you know playing disciplined games and then getting to stick to that five on five play that helps them win hockey games and and then just getting to continue to play with that confidence that you mentioned I think it's it's really huge to have both of those pieces um kind of working in conjunction with each other to you know contribute to what we're all calling everyone in the chat and what we're saying right now is an absolute wagon um so i think we're gonna wrap up the show here i know it's getting late i'm sure you work tomorrow and so do i and so do a lot of the people in the chat um but i know yeah kenny and rennie i'm sure are jumping on soon if they're not already on there's lots of content still to come for tonight because it's always a always a fun one when the jets um pick up another couple of points so elliot before we head off i just want to say thank you so much for joining me make sure you plug and tell everyone where they can find you what you do and where they can find all that good stuff uh, Jets wise, obviously I'm part of the Love Fly podcast, as I haven't already mentioned. We're on Twitter, Instagram, everything at Level Flight WPG. 
You can find me on Twitter at or Instagram at Elliot Rusin H1. Um, yeah, I'm besides hockey stuff. Well, I guess not besides hockey stuff. I guess this is the first time I'm mentioning this online. I'm going to be calling Winnipeg uh, Wild U18 hockey games. So if you want to hop on Flow TV, listen to me commentate some games. I'll be doing their first home game on January 13th. Um, and then if you're just a sports fan in general, I do some basketball stuff, post some Sea Bears content over the summer, doing some basketball recruiting stuff now during the year. So yeah, that's that's really about it. Um, so yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was lots of fun. And uh, hopefully we get another two points tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll have a couple more guests um, on the docket for a couple more games coming up. I think I, w- I was doing a quick little calculation. I think this is like tomorrow will have been like six games in nine days or something like that for the Jets. So a ba- very busy stretch for them, but lots more to come. I'm going to have um, your wonderful co-host Brian joining me on the show next week, I believe, for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets game or one of those fun ones coming up. So uh, lots of good guests coming up. I'll be here. I think Brady is going to like Mexico or something like that. So I have like nine games in a row so make oh, sure geez. you guys check in <laughs> we'll start getting more delirious as the games progress so you're not going to want to miss that uh you can follow me on twitter at l-y-s-s-h-o-u-d-e list hood uh follow sdpn sports to see all the good stuff they're going to be doing some uh coverage of tomorrow's world junior gold medal game uh sweden versus u.s uh for jets fans it's kind of a win-win sitch because either two prospects in solomonson and wagner coming home with gold or record mcgrady captain of the americans so um when canada's out it's pretty much the best case scenario that you could ask for so hopefully everyone's gonna be you know working from home and able to have that one on in the background so um make sure you guys don't miss it mess out on any of that content and all that good stuff over here at sdpn elliot thank you so much again for joining me have yourselves a wonderful night everyone here in the chat if you're listening back tomorrow i don't blame you it was a late one but hopefully we'll see you uh for the fun friday night game against the anaheim ducks and i hope no one does anything too crazy to ryan strom to turn it into a bloodbath even though yeah yeah but we're gonna see how tomorrow goes i think we learned our lesson from the minnesota wild game we're not gonna want to do anything too too crazy there but uh only time will tell but ryan strom i will be thinking of you and i haven't forgiven you so um (laughs) take care everybody and we'll we'll see you next time